The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 344. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I will give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class. You get the best deals on new courses. I've got a new course coming out this week. You're going to want it. It's an awesome class, just like the last one. It's part two of this series on Southern cultural and intellectual history. If you're a McClanahan Academy subscriber, you'll get the best deals. So head on over there, enroll, get the free class, and get the best deals. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Get your book plates there. If you got one of my books, my newest book, Southern Scribblings, for example, which is a great book, you're going to want to get it signed. So get that book plate, and I'll send it out to you, and we'll go from there. Also, you can go to Learn True History, Learn True History, T-R-U-E. It's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. It's a great website. I teach there along with Tom and a whole lot of other great instructors. Another great resource, educational resource, in addition to McClanahan Academy. You can also click on that shop tab on my webpage. You get my Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. The Think Locally, Act Locally logo. Lots of great ways to support the show. And as always, please share it around on social media. Let your friends know about it. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. That's how we're going to grow this audience to think locally and act locally. And things are changing, just as I talked about yesterday. When you have progressives talking about secession, and believe me, if Donald Trump wins in 2020, there's going to be a lot more talk about secession. That alone should be sufficient to uh, think about voting for Trump, even though Trump is awful in all kinds of things. But just that alone makes me want to do it. All right, let's talk about the topic, and it is the Democrat National Convention last night. I don't want to focus on any of the idiotic speeches that were given. I want to focus on about the first three minutes of the event. Of course, this is night one. I can only imagine how bad night two and night three is going to be. Of course, Joe Biden's in his basement uh, and, uh, you know, ready to give a speech there. And everyone else has got these pre-recorded speeches. Michelle Obama gave a speech that everyone's talking about today for some reason. And what's funny to me about that is Trump came out today. He's he's um, he said something about Susan pardoning Susan B. Anthony and talking about Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And he took some shots at Michelle Obama. And one of the little nitwit CNN reporters, Betsy Klein, wrote a little article about this saying that, uh, well, Trump pardoned Susan B. Anthony, but then, but then disrespects Michelle Obama. So I guess because um, you're going to, women get involved in politics, you can't say anything about them anymore because they're women. I, I don't know. I mean, where are we in America? If they're involved, if they're going to get engaged, well, then you should be able to criticize what they're saying, but if you're pardoning Susan B. Anthony, then I guess you can't do that. I mean, this is this is the thought process of these stupid people. It, it just it is so fake and transparent. It's not even funny. 
Um, so that's I think that's the shield that they're trying to you know shield the Democrats. And you can you can be called all kinds of names if you criticize Kamala Harris, which there's a lot to criticize. Of course, you can criticize Joe Biden or Donald Trump all day. It doesn't matter. But you can't criticize Kamala Harris. And you really can't, I mean, I'm sure at some point they're going to come out with some way that you can't criticize Joe Biden because it's ageism or something. You can't say that he's too old because that's ageism, or you can't say that he's slipping mentally because that's ageism, whatever it is. I mean, but these are, these are valid criticisms. And the critiques of Kamala Harris and the things that she has done in her life or said are valid criticisms. I mean, this is, people are looking at, you, you get put under the microscope when you're in, the public eye like this. So I want to talk about, though, I mean, all that aside, I want to talk about the first couple of minutes and Eva Longoria Baston, as she said, uh, and the, the um, first of all, she said something yesterday that uh, was perplexing to me. She said, we're going to continue to uh, reaffirm America. Now, I don't know what that word means, reaffirm are we going to reform, reaffirm? We're going to reaform. I guess this is a new word. We're, you put reaffirm and reaffirm, reform and re, uh, reaffirm together. I don't know. I mean, what does that mean? Is this like Obama saying in 2009, we're going to continue to remake America? I guess that's now reaffirm. We're going to reaffirm things. Um, and uh, I just don't know. It's not in the text. If you go and you look at NPR, or I'm sorry, C-SPAN is where I looked. C-SPAN, they had the text of all this stuff that they were talking about. If you go and look at the text, they cut that out. Why? Because it doesn't make any sense. So they're going to they're gonna cover for it. <laughs> they should put up there, we're going to continue to reform America. Let people know this woman doesn't even know what the heck she's saying. I don't know. But they won't do that because they're going to provide, you know, cover for these idiots that go on to the uh, Democrat National Convention. But anyways, I want to talk about the first part of this because after she finished doing her little talk and how this is the most important election of our lifetime. I know you've heard that a lot, but this really is the most important election of our lifetimes. Why? Why is it the most important election of our lifetimes? How do we know there won't be a more important election two elections from now or four elections from now? How do we know? How do we know that the election of Obama? I mean, this is what that was the most important election of our lifetime then, when Obama was elected president. And what makes this one more important? How do we know the that uh, you know? And, and how do you know how long someone's lifetime is? Maybe they're ninety years old. Maybe uh, there was a more important election. Maybe the uh, maybe the election of Franklin Roosevelt was more important. I mean, these are stupid statements that are made that just are made offhand. Like, oh yes, yeah, the most important election of our lifetime. No, it's not. It never is. And it never would be if we were all thinking locally and acting locally. So that statement alone is just stupid. And, I, and I, I just don't know why people continue to use it. It doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. Uh, but that said, then they go into this part about the Constitution and the Declaration. So they have this part where they go through all these different people talking about the preamble to the Constitution. Now, this is the funniest thing to me. I firmly believe that a lot of Americans believe the Constitution is the preamble. Because we're taught that this is what we have to memorize in school. In fifth grade, they, I was taught the preamble in fifth grade. I think I had to memorize it. So it's the most famous 50-plus words of the Constitution, but it means nothing. But yet, we're going to recite this thing. Pauline Meyer called the Declaration of Independence American Scripture. 
I would say it's more in line with the second paragraph, essentially the first line of the second paragraph is American scripture. And then the preamble should be included to the Constitution should be included in that as well. These two things, the first line of the second paragraph of the Declaration and the preamble to the U.S. Constitution have become American scripture. They've become these religious, secular religious documents to the American public, and they mean nothing. Jefferson's line really means nothing. I know a lot of people focus on this. The neoconservatives love it. The left loves it. Jefferson himself said it really didn't mean much of anything. It was just an expression of the American mind, and he lifted it directly from the Virginia Declaration of Rights, which, by the way, said something a little different, and everyone knew what he meant by these things. Of course, as you move forward in the 19th century, it gets a lot of focus because the abolitionists used it as some type of knife against the South, and then the South began defending their institutions based on what they considered to be a perversion of that line. So it got a lot of discussion in the 19th century. And then we move forward. Lincoln used it in the Gettysburg Address. And so it's become this sacrosanct line. But same thing with the preamble. Why is it that we force every school-age child to learn the preamble to the U.S. Constitution? What, is, what are we doing there? Well, there's certainly an agenda behind that. And this goes all the way back to the ratification of the Constitution. Why is it we, we force every school-age child to learn the Pledge of Allegiance, which, of course, is written by Francis Bellamy, a socialist children's minister who was related to Edward Bellamy, the utopian novelist whose book, Looking Backward, is a full expression of what the progressive left really wants. He called it nationalism, right? I mean, this is... This is the thing. He called it nationalism. It wasn't socialism. It wasn't progressivism. It was nationalism. So you had, because of Edward Bellamy, you had nationalist clubs spawn in the late 19th century. And this is when you really started seeing more of that. Now, Lincoln really put this in play with the Gettysburg Address and this one people, one nation. But of course, there are members of the founding generation who said the same thing. There's Joseph Story. There's John Marshall. Nationalism has been around for a long time. It was a perversion of what the founding generation really wanted out of the central government. But regardless, uh, it's been around for a long time. Lincoln you know, moved it forward, and then, of course, the progressives put it on steroids. The progressives on both the left and the right put it on steroids. There are progressives on both sides. Teddy Roosevelt is a, quote-unquote, conservative progressive. Uh, and then you have... You know, Woodrow Wilson, and you have the other progressives moving forward. Franklin Roosevelt, I mean, basically from Teddy Roosevelt forward, we've got progressives. Uh, there's not much of a difference. Taft wasn't even a conservative. You have not much of a break at all with progressives. You can make a case for Calvin Coolidge, but that's about it. Um, so we've got this long, unbroken strain of progressivism, and that is manifested in this idea that we need to learn the preamble. Now, of course, what does the preamble say? We, the people of the United States, in order to perform a more perfect union. Uh, I mean, a union of what? Is it a union of people? A union of states? Well, of course, clearly it's a union of states, just as under the Articles of Confederation, but no one knew which states were going to ratify the document. So, but you've got, but see, this is the distortion of it. You've got all these people on there 
citing the preamble. Uh, and this is the funniest part to me. Because you've got, let me, I'd have to go back um, and look at, I can't remember the, the people that are involved in this. So they have, you know, someone saying, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And they have all these different people there, different Democrats and people that support the Democrats, saying that this is, you know, what the Constitution is all about. Well, I'm actually going to read to you what the founding generation said the preamble was all about. And that is in my book, The Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. Of course, you can also take my American Constitutions class at McClanahan Academy. I go into it there, too. But listen to what James Wilson said about the preamble. James Wilson of Pennsylvania, who is one of the most ardent nationalists. I talk about him in my Founding Father's class. James Wilson said this, We the people... It is announced in their name. It is clothed with their authority from whom all power originated and ultimately belong. Magna Carta is a grant of the king. This constitution is the act of the people and they have not and what they have not expressly granted they have retained. What they have not expressly granted they have retained. He used the same line when discussing the powers of the central authority in relation to the states. So it didn't matter if we're talking about the state governments or the central government. The government is closed, clothed in the power of the people. Now, I mean, the Democrats would say, yeah, the power of the people. But they're looking at it as a one people phenomenon, which it is not. It is not. Now, of course, we know opponents of the Constitution pointed to the preamble and said, well, this is going to create a national consolidated government. We, we know this is what they're saying, but we know the arguments against that were saying, no, no that, that's not true. The preamble is an introductory clause. It means nothing more than that. It's just introducing what the Constitution is going to do. It's not the Constitution itself. In fact, you can't go into a court of law and say, the preamble says this. It means nothing. It means nothing. It is the most overrated part of the entire document. It would be no different than saying, uh, we're going to have a contract between two people, and this contract is going to do these things. And then you outline what, th what those things are. This is what it's going to do. The Constitution is going to do these things, but it's not the Constitution. Which is hilarious. I mean, that's why I think when you, when you see this, you get a distorted vision of what the... People, I think, really believe the Constitution is the preamble. I know they do, because I've heard people say it. Well, I had to memorize the Constitution. You did? What part? Well, you know the Constitution. We the people of the United States. And, well, wait, that's the preamble to the Constitution. That's not the Constitution. So let me read to you what um, Robert Livingston of New York said about the preamble. He said this, It has pleased heaven to afford the United States means for the attainment of this great object, peace, which it has withheld from other nations. They speak the same language, they profess the same religion, and what is of an infinitely more importance, they acknowledge the same great principle of government that all power is derived from the people. 
Now, is this even the case in 2020, though? Do we all speak the same language or profess the same religion? And do we all acknowledge that power comes from the people? Maybe. I mean, I think that, but see, this is where you get to civic religion. Because, I mean, as, as Longoria said, well, uh, you know, this is, we gotta, we got to take back our democracy. Our democracy is in peril. Let me, let me read to you what she said about that. I mean, this is the line that they use. We don't have a democracy, number one. To save our demo- we have come to save our democracy. It is going to take all of us. So tonight we stand together united by the values we cherish, decency, respect, justice, and the opportunity to rise up, as she said. To rise up. Sure, you can rise up all day uh, and uh, don't worry about lockdowns or anything else. But you can't have uh, a funeral for, uh, or you know, go see Granny in the hospital uh, because it's not a protest. I think Trump's line uh, when he was asked about people not wearing masks, and he said, "Well, this is a protest." He was at some, "This is a protest," and it, nobody can say anything to that. You know, this is all a protest right here. So we don't have to wear masks. We don't have to follow the rules. It's a protest. I mean, this is what people should just start doing. So Livingston considers they consider this state and their general governments as different deposits of power. They, meaning the people, consider these as different deposits of power. In this view, it is of little moment to them whether that portion of it, which they must for their own happiness lodge in their rulers, be invested in the state government only, or share between them and the Council of the Union. The rights they reserve are not diminished, and probably their liberty acquires an additional security from the division. So Livingston is actually arguing that by dividing power out, you're going to lessen the impact of power, of power on the people themselves. And the people, of course, reserve this power. The rights they reserve are not diminished. So the preamble is simply just addressing the fact that the people are represented in this government. And we know that the general government operates on individuals. It has to when you have income taxes, and it, it operates on individuals. The mere power to tax means it's going to operate on individuals. And this was brought up over and over again. Uh, Edmund Randolph said that the government is for the people, and the misfortune was that the people had no agency in the government before under the Articles of Confederation. The people made this clear. It is a government for the people. Now, this is what Madison said about the preamble, though, and I think this is very important to understand. This is what Madison said about the preamble. He said, quote, The general terms or phrases used in the introductory propositions, and now a source of so much constructive ingenuity, were never meant to be inserted in their loose form in the text of the Constitution. Like resolutions preliminary to legal enactments, it was understood by all, that they were to be reduced by proper limitations and specifications into the form in which they were to be final and operative, as was actually done in the progress of the session. So this is a preliminary or introductory proposition uh, limited by the text of the document itself. So you can't read between the lines. This term, general welfare, you had so the general welfare. What the heck does that even mean? Right? I mean, these people go up, this is the general welfare. The good and welfare clause, as John Conyers once called it. The good and welfare clause. These people don't even know what it means. They think that uh, the Constitution is the preamble. And that is the danger of this. And, of course, they follow that up 
with people reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Very dangerous as well. The whole show is a national farce. But this is where we are because of American education. You see, if Americans really understood the preamble to be what it is, which is simply an introductory clause, nobody would memorize that and nobody would care. If they understood the original intent of the Declaration, which is more importantly the last paragraph, not the first, or the paragraph that cites that these states are now free and independent states, if they knew that was the whole point of the Declaration, not some lofty uh, goal of uh, you know, some type of um, social goal, well then the Declaration would carry an entirely different meaning. But they don't, they don't know that because most of the people teaching these things don't know that. that you have the Democrat National Committee National convention sitting up there saying, we the people, this is the, I had to learn that in fifth grade. I had to learn that in school. I had to memorize it. Why? Why do we memorize such stupidity? It doesn't matter. The U.S. Constitution is not the only constitution in America. It's not even the most important constitution, really. I mean, in reality, it's not. Your state constitution is more important than that one. Because your state constitution operates on you every single day of your life. Whereas the U.S. Constitution, unless you're talking about taxes, is really secondary. All of this focus, this laser beam focus we have on the central authority is a waste of time. Now, I know I do it here, and I, you could say, well, you're being hypocritical. You're I am, because we need to start refocusing our attention somewhere else. And this is where I said at the beginning of this, if Trump wins, there's going to be more talk about left secession, California, Washington, Oregon, for that reason alone people should be considering voting for Trump. Get those people out. What would, and I'm going to do a, an episode this week. What would America be like without California? We'll just take California. What would America today be like without California politically? What would it look like? I am going to do that because there's a couple of articles that came out recently on the mass exodus of people out of California particularly out of Los Angeles. They're leaving it in droves. It's a, I mean, it's become a horrible place. Uh, and I think as uh, Trump has ingeniously started focusing on this as he's gotten out on the, he's doing more and more speeches now again. And I think that he's ingeniously focused on that. Look, if you want Democrats running the United States, look at how they run cities. You think it's going to be even better? You think they're going to do a good job? Look at these cities. Look at Portland. Look at L.A. Look at New York. Look at these places. They're terrible right now. Do you want that running the United States? So this is, uh, politically, Trump is playing the right game. Look, I think it was ingenious by the Democrats to roll out Michelle Obama because she's very popular. And so if Michelle Obama is behind something, I think she has something like a 70% favorability rating among Americans. I mean, it's pretty high. Americans like Michelle Obama. So rolling her out onto the stage... Uh, and saying, you know, we're, we're against Trump. It is what it is, is what, you know, she said at one point. Uh, of course, Joe Biden didn't say, you know the thing, which would have been even more hilarious. You know, uh, we the people, you know the thing, you, you know the thing. Of course, he's not talking about the declaration as you know the thing. Uh, you know the thing. He could have just said that, uh, you know, do ordain the thing. You know the thing that we do ordain and establish the thing. That would have been great. Now, I actually would have laughed at that if he'd have done it. But you can't do that. Uh, so, the preamble is problematic. 
Again, I discuss it in my American Constitutions course. It's not the Constitution. It does, it does nothing to do with the Constitution. And we need to start pulling away from this and thinking about the local over the national. But as you look at these conventions, the point is not that. This is to save our democracy. We don't have a democracy. It's, to say it's the most important election of our lifetime. No, it's not. And the preamble and the declaration are simply there because people think that Los Angeles is the rest of America or New York is the rest of America. They're sorely mistaken. Most people don't care about those places. Most people don't care about anything outside of their neighborhood or where they go to work. That's the reality of America. And all this stuff is, in so many ways, just noise. Focus on your state constitutions. Think about your local government, your city, your city government, your school board. Those are the things that matter because those are the things that affect and impact your life every single day. Think about those things. Think locally, act locally. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. And stop memorizing the preamble. It's unimportant. See you then.